Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hey, hello Music City. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. This is Brandon Still and we've got a good one for you today. We're going to be talking with Monty Silva. Monty's the former director of operations for Tom Katz, which is your uh, Southern, Acme, uh, all those type restaurants, as well as uh, House of Cards. He was the director of operations for the House of Cards group. And uh, he's doing some consulting now, and um, he's just amazing. So we get to talk shop. We're going to talk about everything that you've got going on right now. How, are, If you're doing to-go's, What's the best way you can do it? Are there some new ideas as to make it innovative and memorable? If you're a guest, uh, we talk about some different things you can be doing, um, how to leave reviews, what to do if you have a bad experience. And we just talk about all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, if you like working in restaurants, this is I wanted this to be a conversation between two guys that would have a conversation like this and maybe you get to listen along. So we're going to jump right in now with Monty Silva. And welcome back to Nashville Restaurant Radio. I am here now with Monty Silva. And Monty is a restaurateur in Nashville for 40 plus years. So Monty, tell tell listeners a little about yourself. How are you, by the way? I'm great. I'm uh, a little bit uh, claustrophobic uh, here in the house, but I've been, uh, I've been <laughs> coming up with uh, creative ways to enjoy this time off. Yeah, what are you doing, man? What are you doing in order to uh, stay sane? Stay busy. Uh, well, I'm, uh, my wife and son and I are going for a walk every day, which just getting out of the house is nice. You know, it's crazy. There's I've met more neighbors in the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, even across, the, you know, as they're walking on the other side of the street to keep that six foot distance. Um, just meeting a lot of people in the neighborhood that I probably would have never met uh, in a different circumstance. So. That's been good, getting out, did a little exercise. Um, I've been trying to communicate with uh, industry people and friends to um, to just kind of keep that going and um, just trying to be supportive to the industry. That's awesome. That's exactly why I wanted to bring you on today because I think that we have a lot of things that are symbiotic. That There's a lot of things that we do, we think a lot the same way. And today's episode, what I really want to get into the state of the union, where you think that we're at. And then I want to talk about what people can be doing right now. And if you're a guest in the restaurant, what are some things going forward? Just let's talk about best practices for for going out and dining out. Some cool things I think that might be fun for people that aren't industry people to hear. Well, I think that there's there's some some great creativity going on by restaurateurs and chefs. right now that is is really cool i know there's restaurants that have uh allowed people to pull up in the parking lot and uh basically dine in their cars as food is brought to them from the restaurant and uh we're setting up uh you know lawn chairs and stuff in the parking lot and you know keeping the social distance that's necessary but looking for creative ways to still go out and support restaurants and uh i think that's really cool as an opportunity to you know you see your neighbor you know or or a friend sitting 20 feet away from you but there's enough social distancing because they're hanging out in a parking lot um so that's that's one thing that if uh 
if guests find opportunity for that's kind of cool and fun, kind of like the old, uh, you know, diner. Remember the A and W root beer uh, places that used to be able to pull up to a to a little car hop thing, and Sonic does that. Oh yeah, pull up to a car hop thing. I think those are opportunities to still get out. A friend of mine, Trey, the chef at Farmhouse and uh, and Black Rabbit, is doing a lot of that. Uh, I know Manit uh, Shohan is doing that. My buddy Alex Blue from Dallas and Jane in Murfreesboro is actually doing these really cool things called Family Meal, which you know comes from the name of providing food for your staff. But what he's doing is taking orders each week, uh, and he's providing three dinners for four people so that's a total of 12 dinners um for 150 bucks and uh it's you know a preset uh three course or three three night dinner dinners that people can uh bring home and just heat up in the microwave or in the oven and uh it's great opportunities to support community that way uh, purchasing gift cards is a, is awesome uh, it's providing some cash now for the restaurants to continue to do business. Um, it, it, it will be interesting to see how successful it is uh, when the restaurants reopen if everyone's using their gift cards for full amount and there's no income coming in at that point. But um, I think that you know guests have the opportunity to maybe use half of their gift card on each visit, so there's still some current revenue coming in uh, as the restaurants reopen. Well, it's funny you mentioned the gift cards. I had this idea, uh, and I was talking to one of my clients. I said, what if you sold gift cards right now, and with those gift cards, you gave 20% to your laid-off staff? You know, you just you generate income. You're, you're generating cash flow, but then you're also giving back to your staff. There's all kinds of fun things like that out there. Um, let me yeah, ask you. I think that that's a great, uh, you know, obviously uh, – well, I would hope that all restaurateurs are thinking about their people. I think I think most of us are. Uh, I know that Acme is selling T-shirts, and the proceeds of their T-shirts are going to their staff. Um, I know that uh, Icon Entertainment, which has a number of restaurants uh, downtown, are having their their chefs and GMs cook meals for their employees to come pick up. So there's lots of lots of creative ways to not only be able to support the restaurant, but be able to support the, the staff that are unemployed right now. Those are good things. Um, those are great things, which I think that if you're a restaurateur and you're doing to-goes right now, everybody has to be doing to-goes. If you want to stay open, you want to support your kitchen staff, whatever you're doing, you've got to stay open. If you're doing to-goes, you're trying to make it as beneficial as possible. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I ordered to-go the other day because... I want to support our local restaurants like everybody out there does. And I got the to-go order and I brought it home and I opened it. And I'm not going to say who this is from because this could be anybody. This is just a, a, a general example. But I got food that was that was pretty dried out. Like it was, it was obviously not good. And my kids got some sliders and I wanted cheese on the sliders, but it didn't have cheese on them. They were just kind of like hockey pucks. And my wife had a salad and she loved it. She said the salad was fantastic. But it to me was interesting because I thought it was an indicator because you look at stuff and you say, are people mailing it in with to-go? So if you're not opening your dine-in and you're just doing to-go's, are you running a skeleton crew and just throwing any food out there? Because you're, ta- you're I almost felt like I was preyed upon for my generosity because sure. 
hey, I want to do to-go. And they were just like, hey, you know what, man? We're doing, it's only to-go's. Sorry, it's not good. Deal with it kind of a thing. And to me, as an operator, it kind of pissed me off because I thought, if your dining room's not open, your bar's not open, the patios aren't open, why aren't you the best damn to-go service you possibly can? What are some things, in your opinion, if you're running to-go and you want to operate on a super high level, what are some things that are just non-negotiables that have to be done? Yeah, it it pisses me off that you had that kind of experience as well as a restaurateur, primarily because, first of all, the guest is not getting a discount when they order to-go, so they should be, and they're not getting the hospitality experience of dining in the restaurant and truly being served by uh, the staff. So I think it's foolish to um, to not put everything into the to-go operation because, A, it's a disservice to the guest. Um, but here we are, and I know you didn't mention their name, but here we are talking about it. And I think that this is an opportunity for the restaurant community to come together and really focus on excellence. And if it is to go, it should be like you said, the best, the best possible to go uh, that someone could get, which is not only going to get them to go back and get more to go food during this process, but ultimately it's going to create new raving fans. And, you know, I think that, I think that the loyal support of community, um, there's an expectation on them that they expect be getting great product uh, as they're trying to support their community and their restaurants and and it's up to us as restaurateurs to not drop the ball and continue to execute at the highest possible level i completely agree and i think that being memorable in what you do when you you know if you have the idea of i'm gonna do i'm gonna be memorable i'm gonna go pick something up or i'm gonna create some level of service that people are gonna remember that's gonna be a differentiator and this is one of the things I wanted to ask you as well. So if I'm executing to go, you mentioned earlier people are putting out lawn chairs, they're doing all kinds of stuff. So when you're busy and to goes are busy, you probably have a line of cars. Why don't you have somebody outside greeting people? You know, I, I kind of look at Chick-fil-A and your impression, everybody's impression of Chick-fil-A is that they just kill it. It's a mindset. What they do is they know what they're going to do ahead of time and they exceed your expectations. Although it's fast food. I think no matter what you're doing to go, get the best kind of box. Make sure the food is hot and that it's perfect. Don't skimp. Like if your standards are, I put food in a window and if it's going to go out to a guest and if it doesn't match your standards, what do you do? You throw it away, you replace it, you clean it up, you make it look perfect. We need to hold those same standards when it comes to to to-goes. And if you're outside, throw somebody out there that's greeting people. Hi, Mr. Johnson. Welcome to be here. We're so happy that you're here. Your food's me out in just a moment. May I give you a bottle of water while you wait? Hey, and have maybe you have a stand outside that has a table and then like 15 bottles of wine sitting on ice. Like, do you mean to add a bottle of Chardonnay to your order today? I mean, impulse buys happen, but are people doing that out there right now? Uh, not as much as, as, as they should, for sure. I think it is cool. You bring up an interesting point. I think it is cool that that the state has allowed us now to be able to sell, you know, off-premise beverage, uh, which they weren't, uh, obviously restaurants weren't allowed to do before. I think the state has really, you know, Tennessee's done a very good job at trying to accommodate uh, our industry. Um, I think that, you know, obviously we need to get as much 
support as possible, not only from the state and local government, but from the federal government, because, you know, 5% of the population is in the food service uh, industry. And, you know, that's a, that's a big hit financially for the country. You know, it's 5%. That, that more than doubles our unemployment rate just from, you know, the service industry. And then you, then you have these people not being able to to purchase services and goods and and now that's affecting everybody else so so i think that the state has done a great job at allowing us to be able to sell off-premise uh beverage and so that's an interesting idea brandon i think that hopefully as restaurateurs listen to this they'll be able to take a lot of these great thoughts and apply them also i i couldn't agree more there's just because you're in a situation where you're not as face-to-face with the guests doesn't mean that we can't look for opportunities to wow them. Just, you know, that, that friendly greeting that you get when you go to Chick-fil-A, you know, it's interesting. I was just interviewed about three weeks ago on another podcast and they brought up Chick-fil-A as well, but they crush it. And there's a way for us to be hospitable six feet away from someone smiling, you know, doing extra things. Like you mentioned, you know, what if, what if you dropped a free bottle of water, you know, in the, in the order with them or a slice of dessert, you know, or something that really showed the appreciation of the restaurant tour towards the guests for supporting them. Absolutely. I, I'm noticing because I'm looking, I think we all have a lot of time to spend on social media and we all have time to look at the internet and I'm seeing lots of people. It's almost like you fall into two camps. You're either complaining about it or you're positive and you see that there's an opportunity ahead of you. You know, I think all these people at home, it's great that we're all watching Joe Exotic, but I'm kind of interested in identifying opportunities going forward because I'm not going to take this time and look at it and go, ah, what did I do? I laid on the couch for several days. I'm like, no, hell no. I put a business plan together. I helped identify cultural opportunities. When I do open, I'm going to be the best damn restaurant I did. And I think that there's a lot of indicators in what people are doing out there via their to-go business that they can build on. They can say, do I have the right people? They can do assessments. They can do reviews. And you know, another thing that I was thinking about the other day, and I want your thoughts on this, people out there, so there's two parts of this. I've heard stories of restaurateurs not doing this well. We all know that this is a tough time. No, There's no playbook for how to lay off your entire staff. But I think there's a decency and that there's a respectful way to do it. And I'm hearing of restaurateurs that have not done it the wrong way. I saw a thread the other day on a social media site that said, everybody leave the name here of the restaurateur who's doing this terribly. And let's start a database of all the people you don't want to go back and work for. And while I can see that and go, ah, that's, that's bound to happen. That's also a People aren't looking at it from the owner's perspective. And I'm going to have a couple of restaurant owners come on in the next couple of days to discuss that. But what are your what's your take on when this when this is over, the hiring market? Because everything we've heard in Nashville is it's so hard to find good people. What does the hiring market look like to you? Yeah, well, so to your first point, which I couldn't agree with you more, I think that there's always opportunity amidst uh, stressful times. And, and those people that are looking for viable, positive solutions to, uh, to stay relevant, to make a profit, to take care of their people, are really going to come out of this much better than those with negativity. You know, that person may have started a site that instead of saying, 
list all the crappy restaurateurs. What if you set up a site that said, hey, these are all the people that are taking care of their employees. These are all the people that are taking care of the guests because I truly believe that, yes, we live in Nashville and the market, um, there's been so much saturation of restaurants over the last couple of years that there's definitely a uh, limited pool of talent. And when I say that, I don't mean someone that can't do the job. I mean someone that can crush the job, you know, someone that truly cares about other human beings and is able to pour hospitality out uh, through their pores. Um, I'm talking about chefs who and, and line cooks who really, truly care about the presentation of product and serve each dish as if they're serving it to their mom. Those are the people that I think are going to come out of this with great opportunity. I think that the best restaurants are going to have a whole stream of talent that would rather maybe look for a new place to work and a better place to work. I think that the top talent in the city is going to have their first choice of who they want to work for. I think that's that's tremendous opportunity. I think that people like yourself, people like me, are going to come out of this learning opportunities to be able to advance our industry, you know, new exciting ways like your podcast. I think that um, that restaurant tours are going to find new ways to new new revenue channels, whether it's cooking shows or selling gift cards or better to go business. I think it, I think that those that are keeping positive are going to come out of this in a better opportunity than prior to the coronavirus. I could, again, I couldn't agree more. Two things in response to what you just said on that thread where the guy said, hey, let's um, let's call out all the restaurateurs that were, were doing this terribly. Uh, 90% of the comments were people saying people that were doing it really well. So 90% of the comments weren't doing what the guy asked for. They were saying, well, I know this guy's doing it awesome and this guy's doing it awesome, which is, um, which is a good thing. And I read an article in a U.S. Foods uh, magazine, Food Fanatics is their magazine that they have, and it said that by 2021, 75% of the food that you would serve in our restaurant would be to-go or delivery. And I now look back on that article and I go, damn, they knew this was happening way before <laughs> we did. <laughs> now I now, now so I want to find out who wrote that article. That person is brilliant because they were spot on. So... Let's talk about opportunities. One of the things, if I'm a restaurant worker and I'm going back into another restaurant, if you're out there listening to this and you care about this industry and you are a line cook or you are a server, whatever your history is, this is a great big reset button. When you go back to work, there's going to be so much work available. You can change everything about you. If you've been... you have, you Whatever the situation you were in, if you're dramatic or whatever it is... If you start caring about this and you get in there and hustle and you show up to work on time 15 minutes early and you learn the wine list and you learn your menu and you really take pride in what you do, it doesn't matter what happened in your past because everybody's looking towards the future when this thing ends. What a great opportunity if I work in this industry, in this business to come in and reinvent myself. Yeah, I think that I think that that's ultimately what's going to make you successful and be able to continue in this industry because... Because I think that the 
I, I think that some restaurants won't survive this, and so I think there'll be a shift to uh, decreasing restaurants for a little while, and I think that that's going to tighten up the, the work pool. And so if you can reset, as you say, um, and change your mindset, because really, you know, that's the difference between like service and hospitality. Service is a skill set. Hospitality is a mindset. And um, I, like I think that, you know, just like in the kitchen, you know, growing up, I'm sure you were probably in a similar situation when you wanted to work for a great chef to really hone your craft. You're willing to go stage for them. You know, and, and in today's market, especially in Nashville, an $18 an hour employee who got laid off from construction job is willing to take an $18 an hour cook job with no experience. And, and they kind of expect that. And so this is a chance to reset attitude. And, and a lot of the thinking that I'm trying to put out there uh, in our space is, is more about thought and thinking through these processes as opposed to in changing attitudes you know i'm a firm believer that uh attitude changes your altitude and i think that you're absolutely right it's a chance for people to reset and if they don't reset it's going to be very difficult i was listening to uh and you know obviously i'm listening to podcasts and reading uh through social media stuff and and someone posted uh that they miss that guest who wants to ask a million gluten-free questions at the bar while I'm trying to make drinks. You know, it, it's a different attitude. We miss those people. You know, back when back when we were all open and making a ton of money, people were, that was those people were a nuisance. Now they're like, "Wow, I miss that person." And I and I hope that people in our industry really take that to heart and it isn't just a well, I miss them right now, but when I jump back into this, I'm not going to really give a crap when I'm making a thousand bucks a night bartending on Broadway. So you've just nailed it. I mean, perspective, right? Everything is about perspective. And one of the reasons why I decided to do this podcast was I have conversations with people like you and chefs and restaurateurs, and we have a lot of, you know, the way it is. We have lots of conversations like this. And in a room where there's three of us and we all tell me, we all nod our heads and go, yep, that's a great idea, man. I love that. Love that. Love that. We leave the room feeling motivated. If I could have that conversation and just open it up to the entire restaurant community so they could hear the kind of stuff that we're talking about, maybe I can help people gain that perspective over the entire city. Yeah. That's really not, I mean, you and I aren't talking about earth shattering trade secrets. This is, this is stuff that probably, a good portion of our community believes, but they may have forgotten about it for a moment because, you know, obviously when there's needs pressing, you know, like how am I going to put food on my table? How am I going to pay my bills? Obviously those, those urgent uh, situations take priority, but I think it's, it's good to be able to step back and reflect. And that's what I'm doing now. And I know you're doing that now because we spoke about that uh, prior to this. Um, there were, strategizing now and looking for opportunities to do what we do better maybe in different uh mediums and uh and just really trying to be that this is a time for us to all get better no matter how good we are i also think that there's going to be opportunity to create uh more of a social presence out there i think that um you know restaurants that have uh embraced uh the challenges but in a positive fashion are now getting online and doing cooking classes um and this is just i think 
going to make us stronger in the ability to market ourselves in the future in many new ways. I think that you know consultants are going to find opportunity as they engage more and more people outside of their particular city. Um, so I think I think learning how to navigate social media to goes uh, gift card sales refining your staff I think are all gonna uh, gonna make the restaurant tour and the restaurant stronger I think that there will be some weeding out of um, you know people that maybe shouldn't be in this business that are running restaurants or working for restaurants um, and for the for the employee I think it's going to be a good opportunity to remember you know we've got in Nashville you have crazy money down on Broadway and other other areas of Nashville well, you might have a bartender who makes a grand on a Saturday night, uh, and and they're freaking out now because they never thought, hey, maybe I should save for a rainy day. And so I think that there's going to be some positive planning out of this that uh, people people in our industry that make really great money, uh, but are tied to you know the flow of business. I think that they're going to be able to kind of reconfigure their plan of, uh, hey, let's put a little more cash aside for rainy days. I think restaurant owners are going to keep a little more money in cash reserves. And uh, through that, I think that overall the industry is going to grow tremendously. I think when we get through this, people that are stir crazy are going to race to the restaurants. Um, you know, and they're going to have opportunity to celebrate uh, getting through this this uh, horrible episodic uh, uh, pandemic that's that's facing all of us right now and I think that there's going to be just a tremendous amount of business afterwards so let's talk about that if I'm a guest and I want to go out to eat this whole thing's over and we can finally go out to eat what do you think are the top couple things you don't have to give me like a top five but what are the top mistakes that people who go out to eat typically make mistakes people make just as they go out to dine on a regular basis or, or because of this epidemic? I think that if I'm a listener right now and I'm talking to two restaurant guys, I want to hear some of the things that people in general make, mistakes that they do, and then maybe when it comes time to go back out and eat, what are some things that you think guests may try to do and they shouldn't? Okay. I would say that unlike Europe, uh, most Americans uh, tend to go out uh, to eat because they don't feel like cooking. And I think that we can learn something from Europeans. You know, they've got small little flats, uh, so they don't really entertain a lot in their house. So they do dine out a lot with friends and things like that. And I think that the need to celebrate, you know, and not just because we've gotten through this pandemic, but I think that you know, when you have an opportunity to enjoy just incredible food, incredible cocktails and spirits, great bottles of wine, uh, and be taken care of by people who truly want to serve you, I think that those are those are opportunities in themselves to just celebrate life. And instead of looking at a restaurant as, well, I don't feel like cooking, so I'm going to go there, but truly look at it as, an experience I think is going to really create an enlightened diner. Um, and so I wouldn't look at a restaurant as well. I don't have to cook or I just need to get some food and my kids, 
but look at it as an opportunity to really celebrate life, enjoy friends, enjoy great food. Um, so that would be one thing. Another thing, I, I you know, it's while my intention is always to take care of the guest, I do believe that um, we've entered an age with you know the different cooking channels and things that everybody thinks they're an expert, and I think that. They need to remember, you know, when someone complains on social media that their steak was overcooked uh, and they didn't uh, uh, allow the, the restaurant to fix it because they didn't mention it, uh, but they decided to blab it to the rest of the world, I think that they have to remember, okay, yeah, you may be able to cook a perfectly good medium-rare steak on your grill, in your backyard, while you're drinking a cocktail with no pressure, but when you're a steakhouse and you're cooking 600 of them in one night uh, and, and one or two get cooked wrong, that's a, that's a, pretty, good, <laughs> that's a pretty good ratio of, of rock star. Um, so I think just appreciating the real effort that goes into taking care of you as you, as you dine in a restaurant, um, I think the guests could maybe uh, appreciate that a little bit more. Um, I think there's two sides to that, though, Monty. I think that if I'm going out to eat at a steakhouse and I'm going to spend $50 for a steak and I'm going to go out and eat and it's going to, if I want it medium rare and it comes out medium well and everybody at my table gets their steaks and they're fine and maybe I'm hosting, maybe I'm not, but then my steak is not good and they have to take it away and, or you don't, you don't want to say anything, but when I'm spending 50 bucks for a steak, I'm expecting it to come out perfect every time. Sure. And, and, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but give the restaurant tour an opportunity to fix it. So, so that's what, what I was I've looking done for. In the past, uh, and I know other great restaurant tours have done this. You're right. The last thing you want is now to have a guest sitting there with no food in front of them while you're recooking a steak, uh, while the rest of, the, of their table is dining, and they're trying to be uh, hospitable to the rest of their table. They don't want to really say anything, but by doing so, what a restaurateur should do is maybe bring out, you know, a bisque or something that the guests can have so they can physically eat something while their guests are also eating something and then bring out the steak when it's ready allows, allows the restaurateur to first know that they made a mistake, uh, correct it, make sure that the guest leaves happy don't charge them for the steak, but when you uh, when you don't say anything, you charge for the steak. You ate something you didn't really want. You ate something you didn't really deserve to be eating. So I would just say, you know, the guest should should understand that it's okay to say, "Hey, this isn't really cooked right," or "This isn't really to my liking." Because you're right. When you do spend fifty dollars, you should get a phenomenal experience. You know, I just thought of this, and maybe I'm crazy. So there's a couple, there's a, there's like thoughts flooding my brain right now. So if you're a guest out there, and you go into a restaurant, and you buy a $50, $55 steak, and it doesn't come out correct, and you're with a group of people, it is okay to be upset by that. And it's okay if you're embarrassed to say something to a manager, uh, because you don't want to be that person in front of your friends. If you don't have that dining experience, the restaurant cares, the restaurant cares that you did not have that dining experience because it is not their intention. And if you leave that restaurant and you don't tell anybody, 
but you go home or on your Uber on the way home, you pull up Yelp and you blast that restaurant over the without trying to contact them or tell them anything, that is a disservice. It's disrespectful, and that needs to stop right now. If you do not contact that restaurant and say, hey, look, I just want to call you. I had a dinner there last night, and I was with a bunch of clients, and you know, we all got steaks. You know, we had a pretty nice tab, but my steak came out medium well, and I wanted it medium, but I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to be that guy. Make that phone call to the general manager of the restaurant before, if that general manager goes, well, man, tough, man. You should have said something while you were here. If they do that, that's their fault, and now they don't care. They deserve to be blasted on Yelp. If you just, if that's your first go-to, stop it. Call the restaurant, let them know, privately after the fact or let them know during the time i was just thinking if i was a restaurateur i would maybe have a form letter written that says dear mr so-and-so because you now know who everybody is with open table and seven rooms or resi or whatever you use you now know who the people are so you could put it in thank you dr johnson we understand you're with a group of people we understand your steak wasn't correct we are so sorry please contact me my name is ronald jones and I'm the general manager here. In close, I've put $100 in gift cards. I would love to talk about your experience. We care, but I didn't want to interrupt you at your table. What a what kind of a unique experience would that be? Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, again, hopefully the restaurateur values their guest enough and it would be mortified. When I said earlier that there are going to be mistakes, certainly that doesn't negate the responsibility of, of trying to, minimize those and to and to correct those as you can uh and and when the guest gives an opportunity for the manager to do that whether it's that on the spot or you know if they're feeling comfortable and i i get that and i i respect someone not wanting to complain while others are dining but certainly a phone call the next day to the to the restaurant i would bend over backwards to take care of that person when someone decides that Yelp is going to be their revenge on the restaurant, I have far less concern to make their experience great. But somebody that somebody that reached out to me directly, you know, I've, I've had opportunities where someone has complained to me and they've become my biggest and most faithful and loyal fans because of how I turned around the situation. Oh, it's a huge opportunity when somebody complains to really turn them into a rate. You used the term raving fan earlier. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the ultimate opportunity for vulnerability in all of us that are in this industry. And I think that the, you're, we're in the direct moment right now. I heard a, a restaurateur the other day tell me, he goes, this is going to be the thing that thins out the people who genuinely have a spirit of service and love to do this from the people who are casually owning restaurants people that casually do this aren't gonna have the stomach for this the people that are in this thing because this is who they are and this is in their blood they're gonna make it through i think you're right i think there's people that own restaurants that it's more about ego and so they're the most important person but people that do this you know for the love of it uh are here to serve and and, and i find restaurant tours will because they don't want to comp a 50 dollars steak they'll send out a seven dollar dessert to me that's that's almost a slap in the face it's like oh you're gonna you're gonna try to turn my situation around by sending me sending me a seven dollar dessert instead of comping the fifty dollar steak that wasn't up to par i think that's on page 14 of the restaurant manager handbook from 1984 that says (laughs) 
If the guest has a less than perfect experience, try offering them a dessert. See if that doesn't make them happy. Uh, things have definitely changed since then. So about some servers, bartenders, trying to be motivational for everybody. But let's pivot to the people who actually own the restaurants. What can they do right now? What are some of the things that if you own a restaurant, how can you pivot and what can you be doing during this downtime? Yeah, I think that self-reflection is super important in any industry. And, and you know, a lot of times restaurateurs work in 60, 70 plus hours a week and, and they don't really, you know, they feel exhausted when they're done and then they got to go home and, you know, now they try to figure out how to be a good dad and husband and or, or wife and mom. And, and uh, it's challenging to take the time to be reflective uh in the midst of chaos, and, and now we have an opportunity in this downtime to really reevaluate uh, everything we do. You know, menus, uh, I, t- I talk about this a lot. You know, it used to be in the music industry that someone would buy an album uh, of their favorite band because there were three radio songs on it that they really loved, and the rest of the album could have been crap, but they didn't care. They paid for the album and they got the three songs off of it. And as soon as downloads, happened uh people had to get good at recording full albums with no filler songs because people would just download the two songs that were good and wouldn't buy the album and i think that we have an opportunity in the restaurant industry to reevaluate our menus you know and make sure that things that aren't selling we can use you know pos tools to run p-mixes and see what wasn't selling what wasn't working what we did get guest complaints on and restructure our menus rewrite our wine lists rewrite our beverage programs uh rethink about how we train our people rethink about what kind of people we want to hire and and like you said hit reset and uh really open open our doors uh in a much better position what you're talking about somewhat is having theoretical setup, right? So when you say redo your menu, redo your wine list, identify different opportunities on your menu, the things that aren't being sold, you've got your, what do you have, your dogs, your plow horses, your stars, you know how they, they categorize a menu into four different ways. But you do that by creating theoreticals, right? When I, well, when I think of theoreticals, I think, I think of theoretical costs. Yes. Uh, um, and so... Uh, I look for opportunities to, um, if I'm selling this many items of this particular type of food, my theoretical food cost should be this, my theoretical beverage cost should be this, and it's a chance to really jump into our, our budgets and, uh, and our planning and, and reassess what we're charging for things, what we're paying for things. And, um, and really, you know, it's also not only an opportunity to reassess theoretical costs, but it's also an opportunity to go, okay, look, 17 of my 20 items crush saute. I need to, I need to balance out my menu so that, uh, so that grill has an equal share. If it's not a steakhouse, a lot of times grill is not necessarily as busy as saute. Uh, you know, put some things on fryer, put some things in other in other in garmage and some other areas to kind of balance it out which is going to allow the kitchens not to crush um i think reevaluating open table or resi and uh 
how many guests we take per 15 minutes, I think is, you know, there's just a lot, so many great opportunities to reevaluate what we do. Um, and, uh, I think that being able to plug into experts like yourself, um, really give restaurateurs the opportunity. I think that we should, you know, restaurateurs should be looking for mentors, someone that they trust and respect and going to help them through this process. If you have a rest, a lot of the times you didn't plan on necessarily being the operator all the time. You started the restaurant and then, you know, one day a dishwasher quits and you're now the dishwasher and then you have a sewage backup and now you're a plumber and then the toilet backs up or you're the bartender. This this isn't happening. You all of a sudden become kind of a, a super. You're fixing everything and you're running around and then somebody at somebody like me says, what's your theoretical cost? And you go, dude, I don't have the time to do stuff like that. What do you mean my theoretical cost? And I go, well, what is the percentage of items you're selling that are above this number? And they go, dude, I don't know. And I say, why did, why did, what is the most profitable item on your menu? And what is your gross profit for that versus your overall margin? And they go, dude, what language are you speaking? And that this is the oper- this is the time for you to really you're not dealing with a bunch of that auxiliary stuff that you can fit in. Sometimes you just want somebody to talk to at the end of the day. You want somebody to call and go, Hey, what should I be doing here? So motivation to help restaurateurs move in the right direction. Somebody to bounce ideas off of. Sometimes that helps a lot. Yeah, I think that um that a lot of times a restaurant owner maybe doesn't have the experience uh, in the field for a long period of time and they, they jump into it um, with uh, a little bit of the blinders on and um, you know one way to curb that is to hire a really great operator that you trust to um, to really help you you know learn and get up to speed and and you really do yourself as a restaurant owner a disservice if you micromanage somebody with great experience because they probably know more than you and you probably kind of need to take a little bit of a, a back seat. You're still in charge. You're still the owner, but, but really pick their brain and really, you know, uh, if you're going to pay someone a lot of money that's got a lot of experience, you need to be able to trust them. If you haven't really put those key players in your restaurant, then you certainly should seek out a consultant or a coach or someone that can really guide you through those experiences. And I think that a lot of first-time operator, you know, restaurateurs don't really have that expert. And so being able to plug into someone like you or myself and really gain the knowledge and, and uh, have that extra set of eyes, um, you know, even managers, that are that are skilled when they're walking through the restaurant and you walk through the same restaurant every day uh you're gonna miss stuff because it's become a little bit of a, a normalcy um you know when i drive home from work i don't even sometimes remember how i got there it's just i'm on autopilot and um same thing sometimes for people in the restaurant but looking at the same restaurant every day uh getting a fresh perspective having a coach come in from the outside and really help them fine-tune things this is this is the time to do it if you have the money for sure but as you're ramping back up uh i would certainly recommend having a mentor or a coach that can help you through that and you know one of the other benefits too and i love everything you just now said because it's so true if you take emotion out of some of the things you're doing 
I mean, I think that you work so close with everybody and there's so many emotional ties that you have and people have helped you here or they haven't helped you there. But having somebody come in who doesn't have emotional attachment to people and things can sometimes give you a really interesting perspective because they're not seeing things. Oh, well, that guy did this one thing that time. Well, that one thing that that one guy did that one time is overshadowing the 32 things he's doing that are bringing you down. And sometimes bringing somebody in who's just looking at it from that perspective, just straight logic, identifying what you're doing and why you're doing it is a big help. Well, you can take what people say or leave it, but sometimes just having somebody go, oh, it can open your eyes and take that, um, the blinders off, so to speak. So, Monty, this yeah, is... I was just going to say, yeah, I think that, you know, it's not a bad thing, but, you know, we're all humans and um, we, we can become... Um, very emotional about our people and, and not want to, I don't think anyone ever wants to end someone's, uh, income, you know, but, um, sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it's also, you know, sometimes you have to also remember that in the heat of the moment, when someone has done something that's not good, you have to remember the other 50 great things that they've done that, that are good and, and, and evaluate, uh, performance, you know, in the, in the long haul and how someone, you know, we, I had a situation where I was asked, um, one of their employees dropped a bottle of Louis Trey, which is quite expensive. Um, yeah. you know, and, and broke it. And, um, I said, well, what happened? I said, well, they were up there cleaning. They were, they were dusting and cleaning. I said, well, the employee was doing their job and, you can't really fault them too much because they were doing their job. They weren't necessarily being careless. And it's unfortunate that you lost a $2,700 bottle of, of cognac. The person was trying to do what they were supposed to do. How are they as employer? Are they a great employee? Oh, yeah, they kill it. They crush it. They're great with the guests. Show up on time. You know, you've got to be able to allow for mistakes because we're all human and, and not uh, get so emotional just because that particular mistake may cost you a lot. Absolutely. So, Monty, how if I was out there listening to this and I said, "Hey, I think that Monty guy's pretty, pretty darn sharp," how would I get a hold of you? Uh, you can reach me uh, through a bunch of socials. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, my email address is Monty M O N T E Allen A L L A N Silva S I L V A at gmail.com. I write a, a uh, a blog every week uh, called Hashtag Restaurant Tour, and uh, I'm starting to, to work on a YouTube channel, but I don't quite have it there yet. So we could follow you. Is the Hashtag Restaurant Tour on what social media site is that? Is that on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram, all that stuff? So I post that on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook every Monday. Every Monday. And I love reading it too, by the way. Every time I read it, I think it's, uh, I always think you're spot on with what thoughts you're able to compile and put out there and I always read it and I feel like hey I'm now motivated I've read something of somebody else who thinks just like me who um, it's helped me many a weeks start my week off in the right way and I really appreciate you doing that well that's very kind it's you know it's it's something that like you you know we're passionate about what we do and and having the opportunity to be able to share our passion with uh, a lot of people is really an honor and and I'm always very grateful when people do read it and comment. And, uh, you know, I, I value uh, 
your appreciation of it because I know that you've been in the industry a long time and uh, you know are a veteran, and so I'm, I'm humbled by that that uh, praise. Well, you absolutely deserve it. Thank you so much. We've spent almost an hour here talking. Great, Brandon. I appreciate you having me on your show. It's been my absolute pleasure. You are welcome back anytime. We should definitely do a follow-up where we just talk about, I'm going to hopefully get a bunch of chefs to send in a bunch of questions. Maybe we can do a Q&A. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd love that. I, I felt very inspired just uh, hearing what you had to say about all the industry stuff as well. So thank you for inspiring me. Hey, man. That's what we're here for. All right. We'll talk to you later, Monty. All right. Sounds great. All right, buddy. So what a great time talking to Monty Silva today. And if you have feedback for me, um, I'm not always right. Sometimes I am. I don't know. But I'd love to hear it. So I'm going to put this podcast out on a post on my Facebook page at Nashville Restaurant Radio. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. Also, go follow me on Instagram on Nashville Restaurant Radio's page. And let leave me some feedback. Let me know what you think. Uh, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is. Uh, we all like to know that what we're doing out there, people are receiving it, you're hearing it, you like it, you don't, whatever it might be. But our ultimate goal here is to create a service, something that helps make your brain think a little bit and maybe motivate you to become a little bit better or whatever it might be. So thanks for listening today. And we got lots of episodes coming up. Love you guys.